Zechariah was a priest, and at that time, the priests worked in the temple on rotation. So they would spend a few weeks or months working in Jerusalem full-time, then spend a few months at home. Zechariah was working in Jerusalem, and the priests cast lots to see who would go into the holy place to offer incense. Surprise, Zechariah was chosen. And as he goes in to offer the sacrifice, the angel Gabriel meets him, tells him that he will have a son, John, who will prepare the way for the coming Messiah. Zechariah isn't quite sure he believes it. So in a somewhat ironic twist, Zechariah completely loses the ability to speak until everything Gabriel has told him comes to pass. After Elizabeth gives birth, the time comes to name the child, and it's only after he has been named John that Zechariah regains the ability to speak. The neighbors, friends, and family who'd gathered were astonished, and they ask, what will this child become? Our scripture song for today is Zechariah's response. Before we turn to scripture, I'd love it if you would pray with me. Holy and gracious God, your spirit has gone forth throughout the generations to speak of your love and your mercy, to guide us in the ways of peace. Holy God, as we listen to Zechariah's song this morning, may we too be filled with song. May we be so full of your spirit that we cannot help but sing, so that all people, all nations, friends, enemies, and everyone in between might hear of your saving love. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. The scripture reading for today is Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79 from the New Revised Standard Version. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has, removed, and has remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God. The dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me one more time. 
Father, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Christ our single concern. Amen. So if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you may be starting to sense a theme in these Advent songs. God is faithful to God's promises. God has done great things for God's people. God is bringing something new into being. Like Mary and Elizabeth before him, like John and Jesus would later, Zechariah borrows from the Hebrew Bible, mostly the Psalms and the prophets, in this spirit song of praise and wonder, mercy and blessing. These are the major chords in an ancient song, a song whose melodies have shaped and formed generations. The rhythm's immediately recognizable to someone who knows what they're looking for. Like a talented jazz musician, Zechariah takes those same chords and sings a new song. Theologian Elizabeth Webb points out one reference in particular. In Isaiah 42, quote, The servant of God is a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, and those who sit in darkness. By alluding to this passage in Isaiah, she says, the author is proclaiming Zechariah's prophetic voice, the divine promise that through ancient Israel, all nations of the world would be blessed. The dawn from on high that will break upon us arises from the house of David, to guide all feet in the way of peace. The dawn is breaking. The light is coming. Next week, we will celebrate God with us with light and joy. But in the meantime, Zechariah's song begs us to ask, what is standing in the way of our hope? I was reminded this week of a favorite turn of phrase. The Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. That is to say, neither Isaiah nor Zechariah nor Luke had our particular moment in mind when they were speaking, praying, writing, singing, prophesying. They did not imagine us sitting in a sanctuary like this one. They did not imagine our 24-hour news cycles. Goodness knows they did not anticipate Facebook or Twitter. They were caught up in their own moment. But the Holy Spirit and God's people saw fit to preserve these words, these moments, for us. Not only so we could pick them apart, but so that we might immerse ourselves in them, steep ourselves in them, and emerge transformed to take on our own days, weeks, years. So what stood in the way of Zechariah's hope was resignation. Zechariah wasn't quite willing to trust Gabriel's promises to him. He saw the facts on the ground. He and his wife were old. They'd had no children. There was no reason for him to believe that he would get to raise a prophet. He had accepted the life he had a long time ago. 
The angel doesn't revoke these promises because of his doubt, but Gabriel did essentially put him in a priestly timeout. Without the ability to speak, Zechariah had nothing but time to ponder the words of Isaiah and the Psalms of David. He had nothing but time to consider the facts on the ground, to watch and wait in silent hope that what the angel told him would indeed come to pass. So it's no surprise then that with the Holy Spirit stirring and steeping in his silence for almost a year, that he immediately bursts into song as soon as he can verbalize it. The child before him is absolutely proof enough to believe that what he heard that day in the temple was the truth, that his son would prepare the way. Zechariah's song is an invitation to consider. What have we resigned ourselves to? What, when we're faced with the facts on the ground, makes us say, it's just the way it is? Which of God's promises are you reluctant to hope for, lest it never actually come to pass? Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's hard to grasp the idea of an all-knowing and all-powerful God who really is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Maybe it's Jesus. Maybe you're just not sure about that guy from Nazareth. He might have been a really good guy, a decent teacher, a nice rabbi, but could he really heal the sick, raise the dead, feed the hungry crowds with his own lunch? Maybe it's something bigger. The idea of resurrection just doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's justice in the sense that Zechariah and Mary celebrate. Maybe it's just impossible. A world without fear, a world drenched in holiness and righteousness, a leader who guides us in the ways of peace. Good luck with that. But, but, According to Zechariah, that is exactly the Advent promise. John the Baptist came to prepare the way to soften hearts and cultivate curiosity so that Jesus could begin this for us, so that the light could break through the darkness, so that hope could break through monotony, so that a new beginning could break into the old promises. Who's seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? one of my favorites. So for those of you who haven't, um, Andy and Red are both prisoners serving life sentences. Red keeps trying to get Andy to accept his new life, to accommodate himself to the despair and hopelessness of his new life and his new friends. Andy instead finds respite in music their conversation one day goes like this. Andy begins, that's the beauty of music. They can't get that from you. Haven't you ever felt that way about music? Red replies, I played a mean harmonica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. 
Andy says, here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Forget. Forget that there are places in this world that aren't made out of stone. That there's something inside that they can't get to, that they can't touch, that's yours. What are you talking about? Hope. Red replies, hope is a dangerous thing, Andy. In a way, they're both right. Hope is dangerous because it sets us apart. It upsets the way things are. But if we're going to live as God's people in a world that is bent on glorifying violence and death, power at any cost, symbolic victories over compassion, then that hope will be absolutely necessary to keep us centered, to keep us focused. Hope itself will not prevent or change or stop any of those things. Hope itself does not change the facts on the ground, but she will huddle up next to us, light a candle, Remind us that there is more to this world than darkness. There is more than the facts on the ground. The dawn is breaking, she'll say. The light is coming. God has promised to come to us, and God is faithful to God's promises. Advent is that season, waiting, watching, for the first lights of this dawn from on high. Like Zechariah, we need to make some time, some room in this season to listen for hope. Take some time to simmer in our rejoicing, to steep ourselves in God's promises, to bless one another, and to sing. So let us sing together of the hope that these candles offer us. Emmanuel, God with us, shall indeed come.